Hi everyone, it's Artie from Human Chapters. I'll tell you a little bit about the Human Chapters. Humans are living narratives with the past, present and future. These narratives constitute of a number of chapters across a lifespan. The aim of these conversations is to highlight a chapter of the narrative and unpack its connections to other chapters. I don't care whether people are natural storytellers, but I truly believe each person has a story to tell. An acknowledgement to country, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which now comprises Greater Shepton. We pay respect to their tribal elders past and present and emerging. We celebrate their continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. Today, we are um, going to be having a conversation with Alia and Alia is from Kenya and her chapter is going to be Women Who Hike Africa. So I'll pass on the floor to Alia, go for it. Hi Artie and every, uh, everybody else, good morning or good evening, depending where you are from. Um, thank you so much Artie for having me on your show. That's an amazing, amazing movement you have going on there and very inspiring stories. And I'm actually really honored to be part of that. So thank you so much for having me on board. So as Artie mentioned, my name is Alia Dato and I'm from Kenya and I'm the founder, co-founder of Women Who Hike Africa. Uh, Women Who Hike Africa has been a beautiful journey and beautiful part of my life. It has made me who I am today and I hope it will take me further in terms of my aspirations and what it is that I want to achieve uh, with it in the future. Um, Women Who Hike was conceived during a time of my life that was really, really low. And I found a reprieve in nature. So, you know, you hear about nature being um, healing and soothing and, you know, people find answers in nature when they go out on their, you know, spiritual vision quests. That's exactly what happened to me. I happened to climb my very first mountain during that period of my life, which was way back in 2016, I think. And it changed my life forever. And the experience that I had climbing that one mountain was something that I wanted to share with the world. And I wanted everybody else or anybody else who could rather manage it, you know, experience the same. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the basis of how Imanu Hike was founded, or why it was founded. Wonderful. Um, so with climbing the mountain, um, my interpretation is you mean it metaphorically, but also literally. If and and feel free to say like decline any questions if they're not comfortable, but what led to the point of climbing the mountain, literally? And that's a very beautiful way of saying it because I did mean it metaphorically. And I was going to come to that later because what's happening with the menu hike right now is we are transforming the way we do hikes. Yeah. We have a new uh, segment that's known as the mountain within, literally. So that's going to be taking people outdoors and trying to conquer whatever is inside or heal whatever is inside by going outdoors. Mm -hmm. But I'll talk about that much later in the program. So yes, you are correct. When I did climb that mountain physically, I was, try I was battling my own mountain within. And the lesson that I learned about climbing the mountain physically was that you have an option. At any point in life, you have two options, to continue or to go back. And this can relate to us in our lives as well. When we have a challenge in life, when we have a problem in life, when we're going through a difficult phase in life, you can either go through it 
or you can just say you know it's it i can't deal with this stuff i'm giving up i'm putting my hands up yeah so you actually have the choice to either tread completely continue treading forward no matter how things get difficult how challenging things get ahead or you could turn back uh, for me on that mountain i was at that point in my life forget about emotionally and mentally spent or emotionally and mentally um you know completely wasted because of whatever's going on in my life i was also physically not prepared to climb that mountain it was just on a spur of the moment and like you know what you know when you get to a point in life you're like you know what i'm going to do this to help with whatever happens i'm going to do this mm-hmm. that was how it started how it came about and i did not realize until i took my first few steps literally first four steps on that mountain what a difficult task i had taken up because climbing a mountain when you have no experience about climbing a mountain is not a joke and i regretted the decision immediately so same thing happens in life when we decide to do something in life and we're not sure about it and when we start doing it it turns out to be very difficult we want to quit immediately so that gave me a lesson and it gave me a hindsight and it gave me the inspiration to not quit and keep moving forward no matter what because it doesn't matter how difficult the journey is what lies ahead is always worth it and every step i took on that mountain i had challenge after challenge it was painful i'm not going to lie about this it was terribly painful climbing uphill for like 4 hours in the heat without having you know the any prior experience of how to climb how to breathe on a mountain properly when you're climbing you know how to like be well equipped in terms of water in terms of taking fruits so you're energized i just went like you know like completely blinded like i didn't even know what i was getting myself into and then you know climbing up you you know it was like the first 2.1 kilometers to get to the first hike uh, sorry hut of longanut okay and when i got there i'm like you know what that's it i don't care about the summit i don't care about the second hut this is it i'm turning back i've you know done what i could and i've given it my best shot and i'm not here to prove anything to anybody and i'm going back this is the thoughts i was having in my head constantly self talk about quitting turning back quitting turning back quitting turning back and then as i was sitting there and thinking to myself and having all these thoughts in my mind another lady much elder to me climbs up staggering you know struggling up to the hut and she's like ah oh, can't believe we made it yet till god's grace and i'm looking at her i'm like yeah you still have the other hut to go through you know good luck for that and she's like don't worry we'll do it together Oh. and i'm like okay i don't know who you are you don't know who i am and yet you are here supporting each other on this journey i'm like okay fine we could try and do this together because the other hut is only 800 meters yeah. but it's the worst 800 meters because it's even more steeper yeah so she had her stick with her supporting her i was there with like you know my oh i'm sick and tired already i want to quit this thing why am i even doing this tearing crying beating myself up for doing this but we motivated each other So another lesson that comes to life is you could walk your life path on your own you could go through your struggles on your own but god source the universe always sends you someone to support you along your journey it's up to you to take their help or not some people because of their egos or because you know what no i can i'm i can't take help from people it's beyond me or below me to take help from people you know refuse and lose out on the opportunity others embrace it and say you know what okay fine i do need help let's you know let's you know tread this thing together mm-hmm. and you won't believe it rt that 800 meters it wasn't easy it probably took us like you know an hour to get to the other hut but the conversations we had you know she was you know a grandmother at her at that age in life and you know her life stories and her life experiences just mm-hmm. listening to her and knowing that somebody older than me 
was actually attempting the same thing I was attempting gave me the drive to continue. And when we got, when she, when we got to the top of the summit, she was, you know, with her family was waiting there and she went to her family and they were all excited, hugging her and everything. And when I got up to the mountain, I was up there on my own, but the view that welcomed me, Arti, the sight that welcomed me, I was in complete, complete, complete awe. I broke down in tears. I'm like, wow. You know, I was literally in tears. I'm like, I made it. And I still, that still, that moment still gets me whenever I talk about it. Like I have goosebumps even now that, you know, wow, I made it. And this is my reward. Like, you know, if it wasn't for perseverance or, you know, whatever you want to call it or God's strength or whatever it was, I wouldn't have been able to witness this beauty waiting for me. Yeah. And literally, Auntie, that sight in front of you is like, you know, we strive to have beauty in so many uh, material things in life. Like we want the best cars, the best houses, the best clothes. When you look at the beauty that nature has put out there for you, that God has created for you, it doesn't add up at all. Honestly, it doesn't add up at all. Like I was so mesmerized and that has been a life-changing moment for me. I no longer chase, you know, material wealth or material gains or material, you know, fervor. I chase sunsets. I chase waterfalls. I chase summits. I chase, you know, forests. Yeah. That's where my life now and happiness now resides. Oh, gosh. I think I might have some goosebumps too. <laughs> <laughs> that is such, yeah, the way you explained it so beautifully with how difficult it was. Um to, but then relating it to analogies and, and using it as an analogy for life, that's absolutely really well articulated. Thank you. Um, Thank you. The mountain you climbed, was it, what mountain was it, Alia? You won't believe it. Kids climb this mountain as part of their school trips, Mount Longanut. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry, you did mention yeah. Mount Longanut, but I wasn't, yeah, the two huts. Yes, I climbed. Yeah, sorry, yes, long and it has two hearts, if you remember, right? Yeah. Correct. I climbed it in my year four camp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's changed since then. It's changed quite drastically. because that It has. They have changed it quite a bit because I think because of uh, erosion and weather and stuff like that. So many parts of it have eroded. And yeah. what I've done now, that's the recent, the, the most recent trip we went was in uh, August this year, I think, when the lockdown was lifted. Hmm. Uh, they've put concrete steps. Hmm. So concrete steps makes it easier. Yeah. Uh, going up and going down. But it takes, I think, I feel it takes away from the experience because there's a whole different excitement to, you know, sliding down the scree and slipping and falling, you know, taking one step forward and then back because you're sliding down backwards instead of going forward up. Yes. But yeah, I guess they know what they're doing. And I guess it's for the safety of all that climb the mountain. And accessibility it made it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Just to it. To access the mountain. Yeah. Um, Alia, right before you decided to climb that mountain, if you don't mind, and I'd love to know what what was happening in your life for you specifically at the time, and what, like your emotions at that point. It seemed so heavy, and that was the only course of action for you mm -hmm. at that time what happened so um I've gone through a, I'm like wave I mean I'll have to go back a long way to make sense from what happened at that point but I'll try and make it really short and yeah, just, you know 
summed it up in a few years before that. So I had come back from Australia, as I mentioned to you, I was also in Australia trying to like, you know, get my life back together after impeding divorce in 2012. Okay. And I was there for about two years and things weren't working out because uh, the legal framework or the legal landscape of Australia had changed. Immigration mm -hmm. laws had changed. It was becoming difficult to get immigration, you know, status and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd left my whole family being an entrepreneur, you know, my mom, everybody back home in Kenya and Australia is far. You're dealing with like, you know, time distances, you're dealing with weather conditions you've never had in Kenya. Yeah. Sydney isn't so bad, thank God. I mean, the winters aren't, they were, they were, you know, something new for me to get used to, but yeah. I've heard it can get really worse in other parts of Australia. So I must say, thank God, Sydney wasn't so bad. Yeah. It was manageable, but still, you know, like that, that being in that limbo that, you know, you don't belong here, you don't belong there. What's going to happen if something happens? And the worst thing that happened when I was in Australia, I lost my, my biological father. My mom and dad were divorced. So I hadn't known my dad while growing up. The last I probably saw him when I was probably two and a half years old, okay. but um, he moved back from the States because of cancer. There was no one to look after him there. And he came back home to Mombasa to live with his brother. And he passed away while I was in Australia. And that really hit hard because what if something happens to one of my family members? How am I going to get home quickly? Yeah. And then I had to make up my mind whether I want to continue pursuing because immigration would take another two years, which means staying back four years again in limbo. Yeah. Or if I wanted to pack up and come back to Kenya. So I came, I decided to come back because, you know, so let me just come back. It's okay. Maybe it's the sign. Mm. So I came back in 2014 and restarted my life again. I was an entrepreneur, as I mentioned. But going back into entrepreneurship was, you know, it was not going to be hacked at that time because I'd used up all my savings going to Australia and trying to settle up my life there. So I didn't have any capital to reinvest back into a business. After almost 12 years, I was going back into employment. I was dealing with that ego boost, you know, like, you know, my God, I've been a CEO all my life and I have to go back to being an employee. So that was pretty challenging, pretty, you know, um, you know, tough to deal with. And then, of course, I had a relationship uh, problem that I was going through. Mm. I met somebody and unfortunately, it was, I think, one or two years into our relationship and things just weren't going well. He was dealing with his own you know, addictions and stuff. And it was difficult because when you're dealing with a person who has, you know, uh, substance abuse issues, um, you also become part of the problem. Mm. And it's difficult emotionally, mentally and everything. So everything was piling up on top of me. And I, I joined my stepfather when I came back to Kenya. So I joined him in business and it wasn't really the easiest of times to work. Sorry, easiest of persons to work with. Mm -hmm. And I was questioning my life direction. Like, where am I heading in life? I'm 30 something years old. You know, I've got no direction in life. I'm divorced. My business is, you know, I had to give up my business because of whatever happened to my husband and I. And I have to start from scratch. And I don't know where to start from. And I'm starting off on the wrong foot. So I was in, in like, you could call it, you know, a kind of a crisis, a life crisis moment mm. or an existential crisis, as they call it, yeah. not knowing where you're heading. You know, you have the vision in your mind, you know where you want to be, but you don't know how you're going to get there. And that's the worst thing any human being can do is worry about the how. Yeah. That would be my advice going forward to anybody who's like, you know, how do I get from point A to point B? And I'd be like, you know what, just trust the process. Don't worry about the hows, Because when you try to, you know, manipulate what life has in store for you, you end up in, you know, you take yourself back so many years in so many ways, you actually get frustrated and, you know, you just, you know, lose hope and lose sight of your goals. Yeah. So I was in that space and um, it was, yeah, it was a difficult, a very dark, I would call it a very dark time of my life. 
So when, you know, when this mountain thing happened, I'm like, ah, you know what? I was looking for an escape actually from my, you know, routine, my daily crying and, you know, rambling about where am I heading in life? And I was like, okay, fine. You know what? Let's take a break from that. Let's go climb a mountain and see what happens. Yeah. And surely enough, I could say life happened on that mountain. Life happened for me on that mountain. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Climbing mountains can change lives, honestly. So now, now I want to take you back to the summit. You got to the mm-hmm. second hut. You've taken in the picturesque setting. And in fact, on any mountaintop, it's really you as a person. Did you feel quite insignificant at that point when you were surrounded by all of that nature? How did life change for you after that? Or what happened? Yeah. So I would like to continue from that point that you made that, yes, when I saw myself on that mountain and I saw that I was a very small speck of God's grand and great creation, I got this sense of feeling that, you know what, no matter what, Alia, no matter how bad things get from here onward, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out just the way it's meant to work out. And you won't believe it. I came down with a, a completely changed person. I forgot about worrying about my relationship. I forgot about worrying about my status in life. I forgot about worrying about getting back to my feet in terms of, you know, my career and, you know, work and finances. I just said, you know what? If God took me on that mountain, and some people say it's, you know, it's no big deal. You can climb mountains, you can climb hills. You know, there's no uh, major force that drives you up a mountain. It's your own will and your own, you know, desire to do it. But Trust me, Arti, when you're doing things for the first time and you're scared and you're confused and you don't know, and you're, for someone like me, who's always been in control of their environment, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to go through. Mm-hmm. This was completely different for me because I've never done that before. I'd never climbed a mountain before. I'd never faced different terrains or weather conditions or being somewhere without food or water and, you know, being physically, mentally, emotionally challenged because that was difficult. You're climbing a mountain. You're going through so much physical pain. Your feet are hurting, your legs are hurting, you can't breathe. At some moment, you think, I'm going to die, I'm going to collapse, I'm going to faint. You get all these stories in your head that take you back to all those things you've read, you know, so-and-so collapsed on a mountain, so-and-so died on a mountain of exhaustion, of heat stroke. And you're battling all those thoughts. It's a very insignificant, very small feat that you are trying to accomplish. But at that moment, it's the biggest thing of your life. Yes. And if you can, if I could get through that with, whatever it was that got me through it, I knew that same force, that same, whether it's, you know, the, the, the change of the mindset, whether it is the motivation, the drive, or, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the message from, you know, God or whatever it was yeah. that got me through that moment, that point in life would get me through everything else in life. And that's what I believe even now. And it doesn't matter whether I'm on the mountain or whether I'm at work or whether I'm in dealing with some things in my personal life. I always tell myself, okay, fine, you know, you've tried, you've tried to, you know, struggle and fight it or deal with it or sort it out. Nothing's working out. Remember that power, the stronger power behind you. Yeah. Surrender. Things will work out. And that's what I do. That's awesome. I'm just taking down some notes. Just, yeah, quotes that, or points that stand out. Thank you. Um, Okay, so your mountain journey has taken place. Let's talk more about women who hike. 
Africa. So do you reckon mm. that's the that was the conception of yeah. Yeah, that was that was the conception point because what I went through and how that impacted me, I wanted others to to be you know impacted in the same way and empowered in the same way. So we began very humbly taking two, taking four, taking six people up the mountain. And then eventually when we started off, and I started off like when Women Who Hike was actually officially launched, 28 people came out to nature. 28 people who probably had before hiked or hadn't hiked before. Mm-hmm. And what was really, 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 really exciting at the end of that journey was that everybody came out with aha moments. Mm-hmm. That, wow, this was so refreshing. Or wow, this, you know, was like, I'm telling you, Artie, like throughout the journey of women who hike, we've had so many wonderful, um, what do you want to call them? Anecdotes from people expressing or, you know, or sharing their experiences. Yeah. We've had housewives, for example, who have come and hiked with us who have never done anything beyond walking up and down the stairs of their house. And they've come and they've struggled. And I've seen myself in them. And I've encouraged them and said, you know what? I've been there. Trust me, it's difficult now, but you'll get through. Wait for that moment where this all, this, everything you're suffering, your pain becomes worth it. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they're like, you know what? I believe in myself now. I found myself on the mountain. I've lost myself behind my family and my kids, you know, the house routine, but I found myself on the mountain. When you hear these kind of words from people, you're like, you know what? I'm doing the right thing. I want to continue doing the right thing. So we, the main aim of Women Who Hike, why it was actually was born, was to connect people to themselves through nature and to empower them through nature. Yeah. Because, I mean, you only have one option, and that is to push forward and keep going forward. There's no turning back on a mountain. You just have to keep on moving forward. Yeah. And the same thing applies to life. Keep moving forward in life. That's right. And the other question I want to ask you is, as a woman, actually co-founding this initiative, this business, um, what has it been like for you from that stance point? Mm-hmm. Being a woman, leading these mm-hmm. um, travels that have been perceived by all genders. Um, yeah, take us through a little bit of that. So, first of all, the name itself receives a lot, a lot, a lot of, um, I wouldn't say criticism, but uh, the name. Like when we have some men who come want to hike with us, they're like, yeah, I can't hike with you because of the name. People will make a fun, will make you know fun of me because the thing I'm hiking with women. And at that point, you tell them, you know what? Even if you find yourself embarrassed hiking with women who hike, consider yourself a man who supports women who hike. Yeah. You know, so we started out that movement for men as well and said, you know what? If you're not a woman who hikes, you're a man who supports women who hike. Yeah. And not just the company women who hikes, women who hike in general. Yeah. So that was one thing we received. Second thing, we always get asked about, you know, are you only an all-women group? And we're like, no, we're all exclusive. We include men, we include women, we include all sorts of, you know, there's no, you know, barriers to, you know, joining our group. And secondly, we are, as far as I know, the only women-led hiking group in Kenya. Yeah. Correct. That's, you know, at this scale, at this, there, there are a couple, I have seen some, a couple have sprouted up after us. But I'd say at our scale, we're the only ones. And it's a complete, you could say, um, my, you could say my, my crew or my family that you know, support us from behind are all men. Yeah. So women who hike actually also tends to break par- paradigms and break you know, mindsets and stereotypes that you know what, 
even if it is a company that's called women who hike it's not only for women and men are completely okay and comfortable being part of that yeah you know that- and We've come across so many, I'm sorry to use the word, um, we've come across so many chauvinistic pigs who are like, oh, you should change your name of your, your company uh, if you want us to hike with you. And I'm like, you know what? If you're not comfortable hiking with women, you're in the wrong place. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask if it, yeah, like you've, you've actually answered it, um, but placing limitations based on that name, which for you, yes and no, it shouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, did, yeah. for someone else. That's cool. So tell us, when did Women Who Hike Africa actually start? And then, yeah, what has it been from start? So, to- so officially, it's, it was officially, you could say, registered, started in 2017, October. Yeah. That's when we officially came out and said... Just give her a minute. Might be a bit of an internet glitch. Hello? I think I've lost Hi. you. Are you there? Yeah, sorry. I think there was a bit of an internet glitch. Can you hear me? Hello. Hi. Can you see me? I can. I can see you. Yeah, I'm here. I think I lost you there for a moment. Yeah. Oh, you're muted. Okay, there you go. Better? Yes. Okay. So you talked about it being officially launched in October 2017? Hello. I'm uh, back. Can you see okay. me? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So the launch date was October? 2017? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So from, yeah, talk us through your launch and what you guys did from there. The, yeah, the, so, struggles, the positives. The, 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 the good, so what happened was I, I have a very close friend. She's like, a, she's actually a sister to me. We share the same name. Yeah. I was named after her. In fact, she's six, six days older to me. Her name is also Alia, but she spells hers with a Y. Okay. So when, when I had this experience and I was going through this, you know, whole thing in life and I wanted to share this, you know, like take my experience outward. I shared the idea of forming, you know, women who hike and everything with her. Mm. And she supported the idea completely. I told her, you know what, we're going to start empowering women who empowering people through going outdoors and sharing the whole concept with her and she was immediately on board she's like you know what fine I'll support you financially in terms of what you need you know to start up the company and everything yeah oh you're muted I think this is, I don't know what's wrong with this yeah is it are you can you hear me now yeah yeah so from our first um launch we had like we've we've had an overwhelming number of people join us. Yeah. Like we didn't even expect that. 
Like we just thought, you know, we were used to having like, you know, meager numbers, like four, five, six, seven people come. But when we officially launched as Women Who Hike, we had like almost, if I remember correctly, 28 women, out of which there were about four or five men who came with us on our first hike. And it's been from, it's always been from that time onwards, it's always been touch wood, it's always been on a growth scale. So we've had groups as large as 60 people come with us for hikes. That's amazing. And in the beginning, I was managing these by myself. So I was a guide, I was the organizer, I was the logistics person, I was the first aider, I was everything all by myself. But yeah. as we grew, we also grew our crew or our family, as we call them, the women white family. And incorporated two very important people who are still with us in this day and age mm -hmm. and they manage operations and you know social media or you know content creation for us so we can market ourselves yeah. and we grew that's how we've that's how we've grown and it's been nothing but word of mouth like you know people come to us and they say like you know oh we heard about you my friend had with you and we've had re recommendations all the from all across the world like you're one of them you're yeah. sitting all the way in australia and you're one of them and then we've had people from the states like, oh, I follow you, I'll be in Kenya in so-and-so month, I want to join a hike with you. And they tell their friends, you go to Kenya, you know, do this, do that, do this, you know, hike with them. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's, we've been blessed. We've been greatly blessed. Beautiful. And unlike, unlike, I mean, uh, we don't do uh, conventional hiking. So we believe in um, holistic hiking, something known as holistic hiking, which basically means we take our patrons through an entire process of, you know, being present, mindful hiking, uh, making them aware of hiking with, you know, all their senses present. So listen to the sounds, you know, taking the sights, mm -hmm. smell, you know, the forest smells, feel, you know, the textures, whatever it is, you know. And sometimes even taste, like you come across forest berries you can eat. So even, you know, use your sense of taste to like experience the hike as well, if you can. And just being continuously mindful and aware of, you know, how you hike and where you're hiking. So we always be encouraged that because that's where the actual magic of hiking takes place. It's not about, you know, running a race or being reaching the summit first yeah. or, you know, getting, being the fastest to complete the hike. It's, we don't believe in that. We don't, we don't like, you know, promote that kind of stuff. Sure. So it's all about being a holistic, you know, hiking experience that we can offer to our hikers. That's right. Wow. And what happened? With your planning phase of the hike, how do you search? Like, take us through a little bit of that planning phase. What's the search like? And then what do you do once you've found a hike? Um, yeah. Sorry, what was that again? You got oh, cut off over there, my dear. Sorry. I was just talking about your planning phase. So once you do, just before you, yeah, set off on your hike, um, what do you do in the actual planning process? So. Oh, you're muted. Ah, you're muted, Alia. Hi, can you see me there? So I just got a call. I had to cut that off. Yeah. Um, so what happens with the planning process is we begin with, of course, we have our, our locations lined out. Um, from the beginning of the year, we know where we're going, we know where we're heading for our hikes. And we are pretty, uh, what do you say, our most important aspect of any hike is the timing. So how long it'll take to get to the destination and back, mm -hmm. keeping in mind factors like traffic mm -hmm. and how long the hike will take, keeping in mind weather conditions at the hike. 
So we have to keep all those in mind because weather determines everything. If you have, for example, if you meet unexpected rain, for instance, that could delay your hike because the terrain changes. Oh, you're muted again. So um, that all goes in the planning process. Of course, once that's done, we, um, we tend to uh, brief our patrons who are coming on the hike on safety measures, what to expect on the trail, what to carry with them. Most people who start off hiking think they have to carry their entire life belongings in terms of food and water with them, which is not the case <laughs> because people barely eat on hikes. <laughs> Call it, you know, whether it's out of tiredness or whether as if it's the excitement or adrenaline, you barely eat on hikes. So mm -hmm. a few snacks, energetic snacks, like dates or, you know, energy bars, a good meal that you can have at the summit or when you feel hungry and at least two liters of water. That's all you need. Yeah. And of course, the essentials, like carry waterproof gear in case you, you know, you have unexpected rain, yeah. the kind of clothing you should wear, comfortable hiking, you know, comfortable clothing. Don't bother hiking in skirts or tight jeans. It's going to only mm -hmm. make your experience difficult. Comfortable shoes, avoid wearing sandals. So that all goes in the planning and prepping process. And then, of course, we have designated pickup points, so making sure you arrive on time for these uh, pickup points so we don't delay the trip. We leave on time so we can arrive on time. Yeah. And then, of course, we are trained as first aid, so they, myself and the entire team is, uh, the crew rather, is uh, trained with outdoor first aid. So we have, uh, you know, we're trained in that in case we have sunstroke or someone, you know, sprains their ankle or, God forbid, breaks, you know, a joint while hiking or coming down. Yeah. Or, you know, mostly it's, we don't have that many dangerous insects in Kenya. So we're blessed with like, you know, we don't have to worry about snake bites and stuff. Yeah. We're mostly dealing with sunstrokes and heat strokes and dehydration issues and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and then we are security measures on hikes. So we have adequate guides. We have armed guides that come with us. And in all our destinations, we pay extra for those. So we're all safe and secure because yeah. security and safety is, you know, very important on hikes. Yeah. And we all have um, like communication gear. So the way we plan our hikes is like I, I walk, I, I'm a sweeper. So I walk, walk at the back, completely at the end with mm -hmm. the, you could call them the slow paced hikers. And then we have somebody who's in the front with the fast paced ones and somebody's in the middle just to keep you know, both the groups linked together. All mm -hmm. of us are connected through radios. So we have our radio walkie talkies. We're communicating constantly. Yeah. If one group is too slow, one group is too fast. So there's been a, an incident between that needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. so that that's how we plan like it's no we the, the back end planning it looks like now we're all used to it we all know what we're doing we all know what we have to do code red code blue everybody knows what they have to say on the radio so no one gets startled like you know in case someone is like you know dehydrated someone falls down you don't just panic and oh, someone's fallen down so the people behind are like oh my god we're all gonna fall down you know yeah. you have to like reduce panic and anxiety on hikes because people slip people fall it's natural it's yeah. only natural yeah, but it's up to you to understand and manage the degree of the injury or, you know, how difficult. Maybe someone just fell and then shock. Oh, my God, I fell. But it's fine. You're OK. Nothing has been hurt. Nothing has been sprained or broken, you know, so how to deal with that and not cause panic with other people. So, yeah, that's all part of our process when it comes to planning for hikes. Yeah. And then, you know, we also like even the calendars are well thought into. So we begin our hikes. We have two hikes a month. Okay. The first hike of every month is easy. So anybody who's looking into coming, you know, to start off hiking or wants to try out hiking or is a complete beginner and has no experience in hiking is free to join any time of the year yeah. on the first hikes. The second hikes 
are also you're also welcome to join them when you're a beginner but these increase in in difficulty levels yeah. because we try and prepare you for bigger mountains like mount kenya mount kilimanjaro mm -hmm. so they increase in difficulty levels so as we go from january for example if we have our hike our, we normally have um, kilimanjaro in september it's the best time to climb it wow yeah so if you start off with us with that intention that I want to you know, summit the roof of Africa in September, then from January, the hikes you attend from January to September will definitely train you on not just you know, your endurance, it will train you on terrains, on how to deal with altitude, yeah. how to you know, you know, adjust your body in terms of altitude, how to deal with weather conditions in case you, know, you go through a hot season hike, a wet season hike, how to, rain, how to hike in the rain, what to expect in the rain, so by the time we hit Kilimanjaro in September, you it's like, you know, second home to you. You know exactly what to expect and that's, what to do. Yeah, that's amazing. So your hikes can either be considered... Be considered. Sorry, I lost you there again. Oh, I think I'm echo at my end. But that's all right. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. No, I was just saying, so with your hikes, it can be considered to be independent, but also then part of a training program for the, yeah, bigger hikes. That's, yes. that's a really good way. Yeah. To go about it. So bearing that in mind, do you have other programs attached to your um, women who hike Africa? We most certainly do. Apart from hiking, what we also do is we do team building. So we try and encourage corporates to get outdoors. Yeah. And instead of having team building within the setting of then, you know, their offices or, you know, we take them outdoors and we put them through challenges outdoors as well. So you go on a hike, you're hiking with your team members, you're bonding with them outdoor in nature. So we have that part of women who hike. We started off, you know, something for the more competitive hikers, we began the Trailblazer Challenge, which we are now converting into a virtual you know, um, affair because back in the day when Trailblazer was conceived was um, a challenge for people to like, for example, you know, clock in a certain number of kilometers in the year. And then we would reward you with uh, a free hike to Kilimanjaro. Okay. So you in 525 kilometers in 365 days and solely in the outdoors and solely walking. You couldn't ride a bike, you couldn't you know, go in your car, you couldn't commute to work and say, oh, I'm outdoors walking, no, that wouldn't count. And then we ran that for two years successfully and then COVID happened last this year. So it had to you know, end because we couldn't go outdoors. Yeah. But then with place as well. So going with the innovation the world went through, we said, you know, let's also hop on the bandwagon and you know, turn this into a virtual event yeah. and have people you know, virtually clock in x amount of kilometers mm. however they can yeah whether they go cycling or they go running or they go swimming or they go hiking it's up to them as long as they're getting in the activity getting in mm. you know getting outdoors yeah it's fine that's one thing that we have sure and then as i mentioned we also have the mountain within which is um i would like to call it a kind of an outdoor therapy yeah um outfit where we take groups for outdoor therapy into nature and we began with single day retreats because again we're in the midst of covid here so it was difficult to you know think about having multi-day retreats mm -hmm. but going out for a day and then you know dealing with uh, or rather not dealing with but addressing issues underlying issues mm -hmm. that we have through nature 
yeah. uh, what the Mountain Within is all about. So we could do, for example, on one session, we could use art therapy, for example, outdoors, yeah. using art to deal with whatever emotions or whatever things we have within us and, you know, communicate them through aspects of nature. Or we could go outdoors, you know, go for a hike with a certain theme or certain plan in mind, and then go through some, you know, basic or elemental or, you know, even depending on the kind of people that we have with us, uh, um, holistic life coaching. Mm. And the mountain of this has actually perceived as a channel or a place where other healers and other, you know, holistic practitioners could come on board mm. and, you know, their skills as well outdoors. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was, um, are you looking at other professionals, you know, psychologists, occupational therapists that work, yeah, that do the holistic element within their practice to be a part of the next year. So we have put together, depending, hopefully everything goes well with, you know, the pandemic and everything, and we can go out on these kind of retreats. We have had people come forward and say, you know what, I want to be part of this. This is what I can offer. This is what I can, you know, help people with. We're like, great, you, you know, you're more than welcome to join us. Yeah. So well, I'm really looking forward to having that kickoff next year. Beautiful. And my other um, wondering was around accessibility. So people with disabilities or are they able to join in hikes as well or is does that become a bit difficult we always are open to people with disabilities so long as they are aware of what is what to expect and if they are sure they can deal with it themselves if they say yes you know what i can take this on i can deal with this yeah they support you yeah we've had people who legs come with us they've been out of a cast just a couple of you know months or weeks before and they've been on a hike we've supported them walking mm. slowly so you know face yeah. by face with we've had an only general who joined us he had you know i think a hip replacement to challenge him with certain mm. terrains but he said you know what i want to give this a shot and try and he came with us yeah um as far as severe disabilities have are concerned we haven't had the opportunity of you know being honored or graced by the presence of such a person on a hike but i'm sure if the opportunity does come we will definitely, definitely make it as comfortable as possible as we can for them. Yeah. Endangering them or putting them, you know, any safety concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And um, now tell me, have I touched on a, a most points or is there anything that I haven't touched on that you'd like to express during this conversation? You've managed to cover quite a lot. From what, from why women who have was perceived, and you know, what's my personal inclination towards it? Um, I would like to share what my vision for women who hike in the future yeah. would be, and to create a global community of hikers that share the same vision and the same mission of having, you know, being empowered by nature, understanding how important nature is, yeah. and how we need to preserve what we have, so future generations are able to, you know, enjoy the same benefits that we are able to. Yeah. In that light, we are doing for our CSR, you know, projects moving forward is partnering up with uh, conservational companies or in organizations that believe in, for example, water, you know, water solutions for dry or arid areas and coming up with, you know, um, companies that produce or that promote seed planting mm -hmm. also indigenous 
and we're looking to tie up with these kind of organizations so we can just basically you know kind of conserve our environment and do what we can yeah that's one thing and the second thing is again in terms of furthering our outreach and uh, accessibility to of nature to outdoors to everybody else we're trying to reach out to as many um uh, for example schools starting off hiking projects in school with schools we are talking to a couple of three schools actually to be precise to start off with their hiking projects and hiking clubs in their schools we're looking at taking the less fortunate out there also yeah. so we are uh, discussing this with like for example we have the kenya prisons authority we're talking to like you know having they weren't like they're like you know what you're try asking us to take people outdoors and like even if you have to have security just take them for like half an hour we'll manage we'll you know we'll try and find a way of doing it yeah. and then you're know, getting like you know children's homes out there getting the ladies later we have lots of uh, women um, um, associations for you know empowering women who are don't have disabilities or come from you know difficult backgrounds trying to get them outdoors and you know just get that healing and peace from nature yeah yeah, yeah. So that's what we're looking for going forward. That's beautiful. That's, yeah. It, it has so many different elements to it, right? Like with hiking, um, whatever part or stage of life you're at, whatever you're looking for. Um, yeah, and for different people, it's different things. For you, yeah, it was emotions and mental well-being and things like that, which at the moment in Kenya, it's talked about, but it's also so stigmatized. Um, do you find that in the hiking groups that people find it difficult to open up or talk about what they're going through? Quite the, quite the point, I think when you're in nature and we create, women in white provide a safe space. Yeah. For a lot of, and sometimes you tend to find solace among strangers. So you have women who come and hike uh, with you and have never been in, uh, what do you call it? Just give me a moment, sorry. Sorry, there's just, just been some activity in the office, sorry about that. So um, uh, they find a safe space to actually be the authentic selves. Yeah. And you know, when I walk behind with some people, they share their stories and trust me, I have, been touched by so many stories that have been shared with me on these hikes and it just opened up your eyes and you know it tells you sometimes that you know what you may think that you're going through a difficult time in life but there are people out there who are going through a lot more than you are yeah. you have to appreciate you know what whatever you have you may not have the best or you may not have everything you wanted whatever you have you should be grateful for that because some people are actually you know aspiring to have that or don't even have that in their lives yeah so <laughs> People, I mean, you, hikes do wonders, Arti, hikes do wonders. People come for very various, varied reasons on a hike. They come for fitness, they come for endurance. Mm -hmm. They come looking for escape. They come to find themselves. Yeah. They come to like, you know, find their self-worth because I've had women who've come with me and said, you know what, I'm climbing. Women have climbed mountains like Mount Kenya, Mount Kilimanjaro without any prior training, but they did it to prove to people and this is family I'm talking about, that you know what, I can do this. Because at some point in life, I think you get tired of being told, you can't do this, you're not worth it, you'll never be able to achieve this. You're like, you know what, enough, I, I am, I'm capable. And you know, you, everybody has that inner strength in them. Yeah. To overcome any 
do anything they put their heart and mind into. And this is a lesson again, that somebody who tries to climb Mount Kilimanjaro when she's not done any hikes, you know, we make them sign waivers. You say, okay, fine, you've not, do you understand what you're going through? It's going to be difficult. It's, it's out of your comfort zone. You're going to be sleeping on mats. You're going to be sleeping in a tent. There's no hot water. There's no toilet. You know, your meals are going to be tasteless. They're going to be boiled. They're going to be steamed. Yeah. How are you going to be able to do this? And she's like, you know what? I don't care. Yes. Sign me up for this. Yeah. And you walk with them and, you know, you keep checking up on them. How has it been the first day? My feet are hurting. Oh my God, it's so cold. Okay, fine. You know what? You try and, you know, you, you, it's like, you know, it's more like a spiritual journey for me when I'm taking people up Mount Kilimanjaro because it, those eight days or 10 days on a mountain take you away from this material world. Yeah. And you realize I can live without my bed. I can live without hot water. I can live without chicken and meat and, you know, all these things every single day of my life because you're living off basics and you're actually surviving off basics. You don't need all these things in life. That's right. So, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not just hiking. It's so much more. It's life-changing. It yeah. is life-changing. I'm so, I mean, I'm so grateful that God put me on this path that I can impact and empower and change lives through hiking. Mm through nature basically yeah and have you had children i know you're in talks with different schools and um collaborating with them but have you had uh children join your current or your existing hikes in fact on the last trip to mount kilimanjaro in 2019 we had a oh sorry you're muted hello yeah hi yeah who was eight years old and we've had people come with us on hikes or kids have come with us on hikes six-year-olds seven-year-olds wow. but these are easy some of them are easy hikes some of them they've come to climb Mount Kilimanjaro long enough with us as as six years old and they've actually gone around the summit so you know the, the actual the actual summit going up around the rim they've gone that far and done that so there are kids who join us yeah and it's so aspiring and amazing to see these kids coming along and you know want to be there and being so you know motivated and driven that's amazing wow it would be interesting to um yeah see what their experience has been climbing with you we guys. had one in December last year sorry was it 2018 or 20, no, 2019 we had one for yeah. a special hike for kids we normally had this in our calendar a kids like you no know, kids camp kind of a thing yeah. So we take them out. So we normally take them to specific easy destinations where it'd be fun for them. And we create like workbooks for them to take along. And then we tell them, you know, we ask them, you know, to be mindful. And then and along the hike, we ask them, did you see any animals? What did you see? How are you feeling at this moment? You know, write down your thoughts. Are you hating the hike? Are you enjoying it? Mm. And then along the hike, you find litter, you know, promote them to ask them, you know, like pick up the litter, don't litter, let's collect the litter, whatever litter we find. So it is so much you can do with kids on hikes. It's like, you know, a whole educational program you can have for them. Absolutely. And then at the end, we always end like, you know, we take paints, we take art supplies. We're like, okay, fine. You know what? Now paint what you want. What's your best moment of the hike? Paint it. And you have kids painting blue skies and green grasses. And, you know, they're trying to put down the the giraffes that they saw or the zebras is so along the way and it's really like you know it's like wow you know it's so amazing and so fulfilling beautiful wow so with women who hike africa you're talking about kenya but do you have hikes in other places or is it yeah 
Yeah, we do. So uh, Tanzania is one of them, Kilimanjaro is. This last year, in fact, the last two years, we've been having a bit of, you know, dampened luck when it comes to hiking outside Kenya. Yeah. So in 2018, we lost a very good friend. Oh. Uh, no, 2018 was, I think, the, uh, in June, there was an avalanche or something, or bad weather that affected our trip to, um, Everest, to Everest, the base camp. Yeah, right. Last year, we lost a very good friend while he had gone to base camp. So we were like, you know what, <clears throat> we'll give it a break and probably start off next year. So we have a lot of tie-ups with a lot of companies outside Kenya in South Africa. We have them in South America. We have a lot of, uh, you know, destinations lined up for trekkers in India. That's amazing. And then, of course, you know, there's so much across this. In Africa itself, we have the Rubenzori. We've got uh, uh, Morocco. We have Ethiopia as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. So yeah, we have a plan to, like, like I said, you know, to bring together global hikers. Absolutely. No, that's just a moment. I think my energy gets some water. Just a moment. That's all right. I'm back. Okay. So. To wrap it up then, what are three to five key takeaways for anyone listening to this conversation? What would you like them to take away? I would like to say, first of all, say yes to life. So for example, for me, the opportunity to climb a mountain to begin this whole new journey began with a simple decision to say yes to that option, to that choice, that, you know, that, that moment in life. So whenever we get an opportunity, always say yes to life. A second thing, never say never. Never say, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do it. I've never done it because never doesn't exist and shouldn't exist in your dictionary because life has a way of bringing nevers into evers. Okay. Yeah. Third thing I'd like to say for someone to take away from this conversation is nothing is impossible. Your most wildest dreams are also not impossible. Just believe in them. Mm -hmm. Fourthly, I would like to say that if everything else fails, find solace and comfort and healing in nature. Yeah. Although that should be the first thing you do, but you know, depending on how you feel about nature and the outdoors. If everything else fails, turn to nature. Yeah. And the fifth thing that I would like to say um, is a two-part thing. Number one, always be mindful in life. So be mindful of the present moment, what's going on in your life, what's happening with you. And always believe in yourself. That, you know, no matter how things, how tough things are, no matter how bad things are, there's always, an there's always a silver lining. Behind every dark cloud, there's always a silver lining. And you don't know what that silver lining will be until you don't go through that cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Alia, for taking the time, explaining your chapter, having been willing to have that tough discussion as well about you know me taking you back to 2012 when 
yeah, things were happening. But I think it's so important to, I really do feel like each of our chapters are connected to the past and going what exactly happened there that's led us to doing what we're doing now to what we will do in the future. That's true. So thank you. I'm really honoured to have spoken with you today and I will be putting up all of the links when I upload this conversation. Yeah, beautiful. I'll just talk. Thank you so much, Artie, for having me and for this opportunity to spread the word and to spread the amazing you know, magic of nature. And I hope you've been inspired as well. If I may ask, what are your two takeaways of our today's conversation? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no one has ever asked. So, oh, actually, that's a really good question. Um, I loved Say Yes to Life. Absolutely. Sorry, you got muted again. Tell me. No. Say Yes to Life was a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, for me and connect people to themselves through nature that was a really big one too yeah so just being wow. able to be yourself or, or learning who you are you don't have to know already but yeah in nature learning who you are because it, yeah hey, like that's nice so it, it allows you time and space to actually think and just be that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Thanks yeah. so much for having me, Artie. It's been amazing. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. And I'll stop recording.